here's the kinds of emails I, I get from Mark Graham. The, in minding my own business, doing my own thing, rolling along, <laughs> and all of a sudden I'll get this email and it says, this is Mark, $100 says your parents were battling between the names Bobby and Dallas when you were born. <laughs> where, where, does, where does this come from? Of course, and I fire right back. I, I could take that better if it wasn't coming from a guy whose name also means blemish, streak, spot, fleck, and stain. That's, that's a normal correspondence between us. It's sad. But, but Bobby, I don't think you would have raised that had it not been true. You know, I think, <laughs> think that, you know, that, that struck a chord. <laughs> All right, I'm not going there. I'm, I'm just starting a podcast. Hello, everyone. I think this is my last podcast. Uh, I think I'm going to be kicked off. Um, <laughs> it actually is. That's Bruce, the, that's the Bruce you're, the new, you're the new co-host. Welcome, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, the PK Podcast is a weekly conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the promotional products business. My name is Bobby Lee I'm here with my friend Mark Graham, and I just had a unique experience. Um, Mark has a friend that is in town, and uh, we got together at lunch to do nothing but talk about Mark. It was one of the most enjoyable, pleasurable hours of my life. And uh, we have nightmare more. for me, by the way. It was, it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. Brave of Mark to put two of his friends together because we had an endless supply of, of information to go on. So it was good. And we are joined today by Bruce Perryman. And Bruce, why don't you tell us a little bit about your business? And, I, and Mark and I will share a little bit of how we know you. Because I, we've got a few stories, I think. I know, I know Mark, we actually met you through the social networks first. And then we actually met in person i think that's a way that's at least the way my story went with you bruce yeah uh, about a year ago at, at the expo wasn't it bobby was it was that, a year or two i think it was yeah it was a year or two ago okay okay yeah. so bruce tell us a little bit about your business okay well thanks for inviting me as i said earlier in the warm-up i'm humbled by this experience um i am a contract only decorator i started uh 23 years ago today in uh greensboro north carolina um and moved here in 1998. And what we do is contract embroidery and laser applique etching and that kind of stuff with a state laser bridge machine. Right, congratulations, um, by the way, Bruce. 23 years. That's huge. Yeah. And, and, it is. And you're also a former board member of PPAI, uh, P, uh, right? Yes. I, um, five years ago, four or five years ago, I, was, um, I, I have been active not as a member of PPAI, but I've spoken at Expo. On various topics, uh, most notably about uh, embroidery, but I've also done things on pricing and cash flow and things of that sort. Um, I was at the Leadership Development Conference in New Mexico several years ago, and I met Michelle Packard Milam, and uh, she won me over, and I joined uh, PPAI, and I had the opportunity to serve on the RAC board. And a part of that service was being appointed to be the RAC uh, representative to the PPAI board, which was. Um, really an eye-opener um, in so, so many ways. Uh, so I had three years of service on that. On, it's a two-year service, but three board meetings, et cetera, et cetera. So I've been around. <laughs> and how many uh, embroidery heads do you have? We have, um, right now we have 65, I believe. And like I, I, I tell people, it's not the number of heads, it's how you use them. Right. That, uh, do you get tired of getting pigeonholed as a as an embroiderer as opposed to decorator? Because I know you do a whole lot more decoration than beyond just embroidery. 
Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, over the last couple of years, I've become more sensitive to being pigeonholed as a decorator. Um, I like to think of myself as a business person, someone who's able to hold their own um, in a conversation about business in general. So uh, it does get a little bit frustrating, but it is what it is. Now, you are contract only, right? Yes, we don't sell any apparel. Um, I learned a long time ago that if you're going to excel, do do the best you can with, with a core business. And having come out of the ranks of logistics and inventory and all that stuff, I was not going to play the game and running around um, trying to fulfill orders. So we don't do any apparel. Well, and so our promo friends that are listening, you know, we never uh, try to do commercials here. And the reason why we're talking with Bruce today is because he's a smart guy. Um, he's one of the first guys. He was the first guy I called whenever I was considering uh, running for the board and gave Bruce a call. It's fantastic. Always salty, earthy advice. Uh, earthy is probably a better word for it, Bruce, but always good advice. But more than but Bruce began, I think, Mark, this is your story too. Bruce began harassing us on the social networks. Don't you recall that? Yeah. I, I think Bruce is harassing us worse than I harass you, Bobby. I, I think you're right. We, we have to pay attention to this guy. <laughs> well, it's you know it's interesting. It's, <laughs> yeah, I guess you would call it harassing. I don't know. Um, but being from New Jersey, I tend I tend if I'm if I'm sure about a position or 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 how I feel about something, um, and somebody's willing to engage me, that's I mean that's how conversation engagement starts. So I agree. Um, yeah. Well, you have a you have a good BS detector. I think that was that was part of it too. So we'd be talking about a particular topic having to do with social and you're so well grounded that you you would be able to I, I think jump into a conversation and add value and question why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, I I, I recall correctly uh, Bruce there's so many people on the social network probably most notably Facebook that you could put in the rancher category like the people that just don't really have anything constructed to say and it's always very negative uh, and I'm always very close unfriending or hiding those types of people but when when I came across your name you were always in that uh, in, in that constructive category if someone always had something interesting and contrarian to say but always backing it up with uh, with with some interesting content so uh, a rare breed Bruce I'm, well, I'm I'm curious go ahead Bruce no I was gonna say thank you for that that uh, nod there um, but that that's really the genesis for for all of this stuff that's social I mean you have to you have have to be sure of where you sit and uh, have a critical mind and and ask questions and if if you're asking questions in a contrarian way um, yeah it's interesting I mean you know no harm no foul as it turns out everybody that I've met so far on uh, on the social platforms I like personally and professionally so uh, and they bring a lot to the table as as you both demonstrate uh, Bruce I want to uh, before we move off the topic of, uh, of contract decorating I'm curious as to um, I'm curious as to how the move from suppliers or specifically apparel suppliers their move into uh, embroidery as well as uh, as well as offering clothing. I'm not being very eloquent in saying that, but basically a uh, um, um, an all you can eat type service. Uh, how that has impacted your business? Whether you've seen any effects there with. Uh, companies like Vantage or Ash City that offer in-house embroidery and really promote this idea of an all-in-one stop shop uh, as opposed to having to go out and send the product to a contract decorator like yourself. Has there been any impact that you've seen? Um, the, the answer is yes. Uh, to what extent that 
happens, I don't know because many a time um, you don't know that a customer is going to use an Ash City or a Vantage uh, so that you're missing out on work. Um, I've always been able to um, attract business by typically two things, quality. We have a digitizer who's been in the market. I mean, she's been digitizing since 1978. She's done every major apparel brand that I can think of coming out of New York City. Um, and it's interesting. So quality is, is paramount, but more importantly to me, coming out of logistics is is turning it around. Um, yeah. You know, I live and breathe just in time, just too little and just not enough in terms of inventory. Yeah. So uh, when somebody comes to me, I have a very small select clientele. When somebody comes to me and says, I need this tomorrow, if it's humanly possible, uh, it'll happen tomorrow. Yeah. So that's that's my shtick and that's what I've been doing for 23 years is is just in time is I'm a, a firm believer having demonstrated that and lived that way back in the 80s um, I'm I'm sensitive to turnaround so yep. quality turnaround will win the day all the time um, and it's interesting that over the course of my experience more and more apparel people got into doing their own decorating um, and I sit there and I'm like whatever apparently they, they ran the numbers and they, they thought that it would help their business and I guess you know I don't know. I've I've never had a conversation with any of those people to find out: is it a profit center? Is it just coincidental, and that helps you sell the apparel? Because there's so much in terms of markup, either with the with the apparel and or with the decorating. So interesting. It's an interesting question. But as far as my impacting my business, not necessarily. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think that the the uh, prevailing wisdom has always been uh, to almost give away the embroidery or in some cases the screen printing so that it can lure a customer away from one line or the other. I think that's always been the conventional wisdom. Now, mind you, I'm a distributor, so I can't speak from experience, but I, I know when suppliers have come in to actively promote their house embroidery option, that, 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 that's typically what they lead with. Bruce, other than speed... Uh, in the past decade, what what are the biggest changes you've seen in the de- in the decoration and apparel business? Um, just more technique, um, the rise and fall of of puff uh, or three dimensional embroidery uh, placement is um, not yeah. um, something that's more. It, I had some I had somebody the other day. Uh, they wrote on their order that they they had dress shirts and they wanted their company logo, which is a small three-letter word, on the left sleeve. And when they got them, they said, "Oh, I didn't know I had to indicate that it needed to be on the cuff." I so I wrote back and I says, "You know, it's not unheard of to put embroidery just about anywhere you can think of." Yeah. Uh, years ago, uh, when I was in Greensboro, we were working with Wrangler because their headquarters was right up the street from me. And the gentleman came down to me and he goes, "Sew this wherever you can." Well, we put it. Well, they they want, you know, they wanted something different for their endorsed cowboys. So right away, it's it's the collar, it's the sleeves, it's you know, the cuff, it's it's just below the pocket, it's everywhere. And eventually, you know, all of a sudden, the endorsed cowboys are riding in the rodeo, and they've got Wrangler on both collars, so that when they're interviewed by TV, you can see Wrangler. I mean, so placement is another interesting thing. Uh, Thread, for example, uh, you can use thicker thread, less density, different kind of look. The laser um, has played a big role lately uh, between you know the increasing the efficiency, doing appliques and reverse appliques, and of course etching. So I mean, 
those kinds of things, but nothing earth-shattering. The machine, um, the machines have improved ever so slightly in terms of speed, in terms of the number of colors. So technologically, um, the machines are pretty much the same as they were 23 years ago. Uh, right. Here in this operation, we have everything on a wireless network, so uh, that's a little bit above board, but uh, that's about it. Well, speaking of earth-shattering, Bruce, I think you're selling yourself a little bit short here, but uh, um, I, I'm, I've always been fascinated by your interest in technology and how it is it can impact and or positively impact a, a, a business that you could define as being quite traditional, uh, quite commoditized. And while, while what you're doing on the embroidery side is fascinating, what, what I think is even more fascinating fascinating is how you've been able to apply technology to your business. And I know that recently you designed and developed an application or a mobile app that is now on the iTunes store. And I'd be fascinated to hear a little bit about why it is that you chose to go that route and what's that and what that's done for your business. Well, it, it, um, in, in this day and age, technology, if you're not, if you're not embracing technology and so few people do it, you're really left in the lurch. As with any business, you're always looking for a way to differentiate yourself, um, and not just in terms of marketing, but in any way you can. And so last year at Expo, I was killing some time, and I was in my room, and I downloaded a book uh, onto my uh, iPad, and I started re- reading. And it was called The Age of the Platform by Phil, Sim, uh, Phil Simon. And so I started reading it, and bum, 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 and got distracted and went home, and I picked it up again, and I started reading in earnest. And I see this thing about mobile apps and, and the idea of platform being, you know, the mobile app being part of a platform, et cetera. And he had, he had um, a hot link, if you will. So I dropped what I was doing, picked up my laptop, and went to the link. And within a matter of a few minutes, I was, like, developing a very rudimentary um, mobile app. And I showed it to my wife, and she, like, poo-pooed it. And a couple of weeks later, I revisited it. I showed it to her. And between the two of us, we developed what we consider to be uh, the first mobile app for a embroidery company. Embroidery yep. uh, Unlimited at the, at the iTunes store, Android, HTML5, all of those things. Um, and so it allows us, the, the idea was we sat down and we said, if, if we were selling, what tools would we want to have on our iPad or our iPhone um, to f- finish the deal, start to finish? So those buttons, I think there are 16 or more. I haven't been there for a while, but um, those buttons allow a distributor who's astute to go out and do a sales presentation in your client's office. Um, and we try to cover things like, uh, you know, people will send us art and we digitize it. And all of a sudden they'll come in with a shirt and it goes, no, we wanted this one. Well, why didn't you just take a picture of that and send it to us? Well, on right. mobile, you can do that. So, so it was those kinds of things that we tried to develop. So, so what are some of the specific things that you could do on on your application as a as a distributor salesperson? Just but, about anything, anything that I I think it allows you to conduct business from soup to nuts right in front of your client. If if you want to email us artwork, you can photograph artwork and email it directly. You can. Yep. You can send us pictures of designs directly. You can have a voice message sent to us. You can email us. You can check out uh, 
thread charts, Robeson, Anton, and Madeira tend to be I, I, That's huge. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at it. It's on my iPhone, and I can look at the thread color chart. So if I'm right there with my client and say, well, by the way, is this the one you're referring to? Of course, some screen colors will vary, but by the time you get to thread colors, it's not going to be exact anyways most of the time. Uh, we're talking about nuances and thread color, but also the pricing. Bruce, that was, that was kind of big and risky. Go ahead and put your pricing right out there. But you really did answer the question of what would a salesperson need if they're sitting there. Um, and what I kind of find interesting about it is that right now in front of me, I have one, two, three, four, five screens in my office. I have, I have an external screen for my laptop. I have my laptop screen. I have an iPad open. Um, there's, a, there's a PC behind me, and then there's the Embroidery Unlimited. These days, it's just not un, too uncommon to be into multiple screens all the time and to have that app right there when you're trying to configure some pricing. Um, or to send you a note is pretty cool. I think I think you're way ahead of the pack, and I think we're going to see more and more folks rise up to this kind of a challenge. Well, it's interesting. They say imitation is the highest form of flattery. Uh, two people here in town, um, one who actually does uh, sell to uh, end users and does screen printing and embroidery, she's much larger than I am, has uh, emulated the 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 app as has this other fellow in town who has some embroidery background in the neighborhood so it's it's kind of interesting to see that so uh, bruce was this an expensive endeavor for you no actually there's the, the and i'll share this with anybody who's inclined uh, there's a, a company called biz apps um and and really the motivation behind that company tends to be for example to suck you in and become so good at what you're doing that you can go out and sell mobile apps to other people. Um, my wife uh, actually did most of the room work on this thing and she uh, has been doing some social media for some smaller businesses here in town and has developed one or two apps similar to what we have. Um, it certainly could be an income stream but it's not uh, a per alley so anyway. But it, it's like three or four hundred bucks, I think it was, and the time and a week or two to do all the HTML and all that stuff in the back in the back room. So it, it's not overwhelmingly expensive at all. And you're talking. You know, it's very well done. Yeah, you're talking someone really with some. some you're not talking developer skills. You're talking anyone that has the savviness to get on and figure out what their market needs. Um, that's what's pretty cool about it. Anybody that could do anything on. On Facebook, a higher, a higher level of you know Facebook stuff behind the scenes could easily do an app. Hmm. Yeah, and it's to me what's what's exciting to me is the, the the idea that you could be out in a bar and and meet somebody. You could be out anywhere, any social environment, anywhere, and strike up a conversation with somebody. And say, oh, by the way, you know, let me let me take a you you can start doing your embroidery business right there. Yeah, Mark, do you see your salespeople using? apps more i mean are they are they using like any of the sage or esp mobile apps at all at 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 this point no i mean but, but in, that's in, probably because they're too desk bound i would think i mean they're at their office all the time right yeah we um there, there's no question that salespeople when they're on the road are actively using uh, the 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 more traditional apps like the Evernotes and the Dropbox and the Google Apps, uh, and then of course we have our own uh, platform with CommonSkew that that d 
does all of that, um, and that's easily accessible via the iPad. As like that, that that's the principal mobile device that sales reps would be using in terms of showing presentations and designing presentations. But uh, I've certainly heard good things about e- uh, what ESP and Sage have done uh, with their mobile apps. I don't have much experience with them. I think what they've done. At uh, uh, with with their trade show app is pretty cool. Like in terms of being able to record information on the go and uh, um, scan QR codes at, at at suppliers booths and be able to share that information with people back in the office. I think that's really progressive. Um, but I I really feel that we're in the very very early days of how reps are using mobile. And I'm saying this from someone who's very interested in technology. And I I see the um, I see the advertisements. I know Bodak has got a, a, an app. I know that Sanmar has got an app. I know that uh, a few of the other larger suppliers have got apps as well. And right now, I'm not entirely sure that they're um, absolutely necessary to close the sale. Yeah, it's it's pretty early. It's just early in the adoption process. I, 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 yeah. I'm sitting here looking at my uh, ESP mobile app on my iPad. It's gorgeous. They've done a great job with it. But, um, I, you know, it's funny, even myself, as much as I love technology, I have to remind myself it's there and, and, and to use it. And a, foot, right. a footnote here is um, a couple of weeks ago, we were informed by PPAI that this, our mobile app was selected as a finalist in the technology category. And just Congratulations. last week. Thank you. Yeah, and awesome. Just, well deserved. And, and just last week, we found we were up against Sage and Bodick and Rhodes. Hmm. <laughs> and I told, I said to my wife, if we get the gold award, I'll be dropping trow. <laughs> Maybe not go. on stage. Like, <laughs> come on, Bruce. Stage. You have to do it on Bruce, stage. I will be there at that award ceremony, and I, we've got to see that live. I'll have my, we, my uh, camera going, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like David versus Goliath, but I, I, I think, uh, I, I think you have a, a good shot, my friend. <laughs> well, I would, I kind of kind of hope so but you never know how those things work out yeah bruce let me ask you a question drifting a little bit away from technology and, and embroidery uh, i'm curious what what was your experience what was your thought of the industry what did you think of the industry before you got involved in the ppai board and how did that change after your involvement being involved on the board well i was always um i was always on the periphery of of dealing with promotional products until I actually moved to Arizona and we got into it. Back in, in, in North Carolina, a lot of it was working with the apparel manufacturers and I had some promotional people on the side. Um, and once the North America Free Trade Act went into effect, that sucking sound, you know, everybody left the Southeast. Um, coming to Arizona, I knew that it was going to be the promotional market, so I started to look at it in earnest, obviously. Um, and Shortly after I got here, I joined the Arizona Promotional Products Association and started doing business with some of the people that I met from them. And I have to say, even to this day, I'll probably be ostracized, but coming coming from my background, my experience in corporate America and, and large companies, and my academic background, I'm amazed that um, – I'm really amazed to be part of part of what we call promotional products um it's it's really quite interesting um in many many ways and you know i don't i don't have a unique perspective i think if we sat down in a room full of 10 or 15 people the same the same issues would pop up over and over and over again and they don't seem to uh, get resolved you know there there are people that tout technology and i deal with them and i'm sitting there going okay so you, you invest 
all this money in technology and system process, if you will, and I'm getting faxed and called and harassed outside of the system. Why don't you just allow me access to update the system? Well, I, yep. you know, there are things that go on and on. I mean, are, the, are all the players, all the people that are in in the industry, and I, as you know, Bobby, I hate that word. I know, right. Um, are they all capable? I mean, are they order takers? Are they salespeople? You know, there are people that sell. There are people that just show up, and I'm sitting here going, you know, it's crazy. I went to, a, I did an end user show for one of my clients, and their end users are coming up to me going, what's this? And they get all excited, and they go find this distributor, and the distributor to this day has no idea how to have a conversation with me about that type of decoration. And their customers yeah. ready to buy 300 very expensive sweatshirts that we're going to do an applique on. And so it's it's kind of interesting, and and so you know PPAI and and other organizations you try to educate people, like left or right, and uh, it's interesting. It's just there's no it's a long open ended conversation. Yeah, I'm sure. And and, yeah. and um, you know, Mark, this is probably part of your experience, Mark, but part of my experience was I really, as a distributor, only knew my finite world. We didn't get out much beyond our own network, and then once I started teaching in the industry. I started gaining the experience probably much like what a supplier has is the um, bird's eye view into so many different business models, so many different ways people work, and just how broad. I know uh, Charity Gibson just came back from leading a class on social media, and one of her comments to me was, you know, it's really difficult. You've got so many um, novices and amateurs in the room, and then you've got the advanced, and it's just so tough. It's a broad, broad audience, far broader than we think. Um, and that's why it's always difficult when people peg or pick on certain elements of, of distributors. They're so different. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Bruce, your your comment just now around how how you were attending the end user show and the end user comes up and and uh, um, tries to get information from the distributor and the distributor being clueless is not a great testimony to. The supply chain model that we've got, and and as much as I'm I'm a fierce advocate for it, it must be really frustrating, Bruce, for you as an embroiderer to know that your distributor is clueless about what you offer, and that and and potentially even losing that sale. So I, I, I this is not a subject I necessarily want to go down because I know it's opening up a can of worms, but. Bobby and I have have certainly spoken about the value that distributors bring to the table, the value of why suppliers want to partner with distributors, and that's uh, that's kind of a scary comment you just made there. Well, it's it, you know it's it, and I appreciate that you don't want to go down that road, but at some point in time, I see that I see that the business model that is in place right now certainly isn't working. It's changing. We don't know what that change is. Um, yeah. And you know, I want to play by the rules, but if you know, if you find that that there's no work out there, what are you going to do? Sit around, and do nothing? Right. Yeah. So it's it's well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, at at the North American Leadership Conference, and you you were both there. There were some pretty interesting people, and you know, there was a they try to have a, a roundtable discussion, and nobody wants to talk about those things that are maybe in a gray area or in the back room, you know, so mm, unless somebody, yeah. until, um, until and unless somebody has that kind of a conversation. Um, yeah. 
Well, I, I know, I, Bobby, I know that your approach is, is quite similar to ours in that it's always been our view that if we as a distributor don't know enough about a particular uh, product or service, uh, if we know we can make money on it and add value to our clients, then we will do as much as we can to bring the supplier into our business and share with them the opportunities that we're working on so that you can become a de facto extension of our sales force. Um, and uh, because we know we're not going to know absolutely everything. I mean, it's absolutely impossible. So I think that, 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 that that's probably one of the remedies in terms of just really bringing suppliers closer into the conversation. And of course, still having distributors make that sale. But that way, I think everyone wins. And I, th- I think that's a, a perfect strategy. And that's why, you know, when I sat in on your comments, you intro, that was one of the first things I picked up on. I would love to be in a position... Uh, to be able to do that. And I tell people here in, in my marketplace, if I'm not knocking on your doors, it's because you don't, you don't know how to treat me. And it's, it's really sad. So my, my clientele is very small and very select. And we do fine. And, right. but, but I think your, your mindset, Mark, is, is right on the money. You don't, you don't, you're not play, just playing lip, paying lip service. You're, you're actually inviting those people to... Um, Help you and, and and collaborate. I'm thinking of collaboration. Um, you know, it's unconditional collaboration is is what I've been trying to tell people lately. Mm-hmm. So Bruce, on the uh, you've got so much experience doing what you do, and so many of us uh, rely on your business so much. What type of advice do you have for those of us to work better with you, to maximize, to 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 take solutions like yours to the marketplace. And what advice do you have for either new distributors or veterans um, in working with a business like yours? Well, first of all, I tell people embroidery is a three-dimensional art form. At the end of the day, there's your value add. It's a three-dimensional art form. And so after that, it's all intuitive. I only need certain answers to do your job. You know, what size, what colors, where's it go? I mean, it was refreshing at North America Leadership Conference to listen to Sharon uh, from uh, Leeds and uh, John Isaacson um, talk about the biggest bottleneck in their process is getting the information they need to do their job. And so um, in terms of embroidery, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, you can't take it, for example, four millimeters is the smallest lettering you can do. So when you see a piece of art with a tagline that's printed at four millimeters, in order to make that doable in embroidery, it's going to be, you know, exponentially larger because the threadness, the, the thread um, offers up a, a third dimension which pushes pushes it out. So, I mean, it's, a, it's people are afraid of embroidery, and I don't know why, because it's just that simple. Hmm. It is. And Bruce, it, I, I, using, I, I... Go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, no, go ahead, please. No, no, I was going to say, I, nine years ago, I, I fashioned a, an embroidery seminar for Expo, specifically aimed at distributors to get them over the fear of embroidery and the very basics, what they need to understand. Um, and it's interesting because depending on the year, you can fill the room or you can have like, you know, 20 or 30 people. So it's kind of interesting because still 30% of, of the marketplace is, is decorated apparel. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. 
How do, yeah. how do you stay on top of design? You know, I was going to ask, how do we stay on top of designs and what's going on with style and decoration methods? How do you stay on top of that? Um, I like to, um, I've always had a keen eye for fashion, whether it's men's or women's or whatever. Um, I'm a big proponent of, uh, you know, watching the retail and some of the college markets. Uh, nothing is original anymore. Um, you know, everybody's, it, everything that goes around comes around. Platform shoes were big back in the 70s. Here they are in, in the teens here. Um, so everything comes around in fashion. So if you just stay abreast of fashion, uh, you'll have a sense of what's going on. Bruce, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm switching gears here and, and want to ask you a question about being young at heart. And I give you some context because your name often comes up when I'm speaking about this. Um, one of the things that I'm really interested in is the shifting demographics in our industry and uh, how we are starting to see younger people get into the industry and younger people are... Uh, uh, generally associated with um, uh, newer ideas, uh, openness to, to, to new ways of doing things. Um, and this is really important as newer buyers start uh, uh, coming onto the, onto the scene and, and, uh, and, and start to make decisions. And one of the things that I've um, talked about when I'm doing presentations is that if you, if you can't be young, it's important to be young at heart because there's really no difference between being young and being young at heart and I often point to you and I say well Bruce Perryman is like one of the best examples of someone who is young at heart and is like going on 19 years old and I, 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 I wanted to ask you for, for, for the people that are listening here what, what do you do Bobby asked about staying on top of trends but my question is what do you do to stay young at heart to to be openness to so much change that's that's quite unusual in this business wow you made me feel old <laughs> oh, that's a good you know that's a really interesting question i hate to use that word over again interesting but that's a great question um, i've always i've always been a free spirit i guess you was you could say uh, i mean it's an embarrassing story, but I remember graduating from high school and, you know, getting ready to go into the service. And when I was in the service, I got a hold of my high school transcript. and I, I, I was embarrassed at how low I finished. Uh, I eventually went on to get, you know, degrees, graduate school, all that nonsense. So I did it my way. Uh, I mean, and along the way, it was the rules of engagement were no harm, no foul, um, open-minded. When I took electives in college, it was always with the idea that I was going to be doing a lot of different things with a lot of different people. So I started, studied various cultures. I didn't have to take chemistry, but I took it as an elective. Those kinds of curiosities uh, have always been a part of my life. Um, and then, you know, third time's a charm. I got married. I found the love of my life. Um, my oldest daughter, who's going to be 12 tomorrow... I uh, was born in October, and a few months later, I turned 50. So over the last 11 years, at least, 12 years, um, being surrounded with young kids, as as you know, is, is really a nice position to be in. There's a lot to learn. Um, obviously, I'm going to stay current with trends. I mean, my daughter came out of the room the other day saying, you know, Justin Bieber was in town over the weekend, and did you know he threw up? And I was like, stuff like that. But... Uh, 
I've always been curious and I always, you know, pay attention to trends and what's out there and see if I like it or how do I fit in, whether it's music, whether it's, you know, in literature or whatever. You just got to, you know, life isn't over till it's over. Yeah. And, you know, I'm wrestling. I've always been physical. I've run marathons and triathlons. And I see all these guys posting on Facebook, Bobby's doing a half, you know, 13-mile run on 100 degrees. I go out and try to do a mile and a half, which I used to do, like, without even breathing and now it's a challenge and I sit here and I go well am I too old really to be working out like this and so the answer is no obviously but it's just a mindset you either do or you don't yeah and Mark that's a great question because Bruce that's that's the reason why we're talking with you today is that you have made this leap that other people other peers your age have not made the leap they they were uh, contrary to a negative degree, whereas you were trying to be um, constructive in your in your criticisms, your con- criticisms were spot on many times. But but you know, kudos to you. Our hats are off because you made the leap successfully and continue to try to keep yourself sharp. I just want to I just want to remain relevant because the minute you're not relevant, it's over. Yeah. Well, Bruce, we um, are running out of time. Did and I know I didn't send you the questions, but you probably heard the questions we're going to ask you. Did you the list of questions we uh, asked Cameron? Uh, Mark, did you have any other final questions or comments you want to make? No, that was the last one uh, that that I wanted to ask for this one. But I'm looking forward to a, a, a version two of this, uh, Bruce. Oh wow, <laughs> Bruce. Is, Okay, so Bruce. He, he might not accept, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he Actually, might not. <laughs> the last thing I want to say is that I think, Bruce, you'd, you would kick Bobby's you-know-what in running. You know, he's just a hand oh, no. in all these <laughs> yeah. photos on a Facebook. Actually, the guy actually, runs like three inches, and then he says he's run, you know, 30 <laughs> miles. Like, give me a break. That's true. What you can do with a camera these days. And I know, sort of exactly. Concise words. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> Okay, so Bruce, we have some uh, questions for you. Number one, what is your favorite word? Really, you want me to answer that, huh? Yeah, I didn't give you enough time to prepare for this. So, my uh, favorite word? Yeah. Okay, how about we? We'll go to number two since we didn't give you enough time to, to, to think about this. Room, desk, and car. Which do you clean first? <laughs> um, none of the above, actually. Uh, I guess. <laughs> I guess my car is clean, cleaner than I, – I have a lot of disorganization going around. You would never know I was in the military. Ah, uh, okay. And favorite animated film? Oh, I'm not a big fan of animated films. Yeah, um, that, that, that's how a about, good answer. How about what was that? I took my daughter to see uh, Ratatouille. It was really funny. That was a great show, wasn't it? I loved it. Mark, have you seen that? Yeah, I loved it. Okay. Favorite beverage? Uh, Edna Valley Chardonnay. Hmm. Nice. It, it's out of the San Luis Obispo area, followed by a little teak winery in in North Carolina, not too uh, Louisville. Uh, West Bend Wineries makes uh, really nice wines. So wine. Okay. First Mars visit. You can only take the complete works of one artist or author with you. Who are they? Um, I would. Wow. There's a book that I read not too long ago called the The Heart and the Fist written by a, a gentleman by the name of Eric Reitens and uh, he's a former he had the choice to become a, a corporate bigwig an Oxford scholar or a professor if you will uh, and he decided to join the SEALs and it's a fascinating book and hmm. his work his work after that which uh, uh, is what um, 
Cameron, and I know Danny is very philanthropic, his work after that is uh, quite interesting. So that, that would be a good book to have. I'll link to that in our in our show notes as well. That looks like a great book. I'm looking at it now. Fasc- fascinating story. Trust me. Yeah. What excites you about our industry? Change. Hmm. Change and and the energy and the willingness of of more and more young people to to actually collaborate. Hmm. I think in in the long run, um, folks in your demographic and and beyond uh, will make the changes. What what deflates you about our industry? Um, the lack of change, I guess, or the speed with which change might take place. Yeah. <laughs> what profession other than our own would you like to attempt? Huh. I always have uh, had an interest in medicine. What one of my my children have a rare genetic disorder, mitochondrial disease, and I've attended some uh, one or two. Each the the scientific community for mitochondrial research um, has a science day, if you will, where where parents and children and people with the with the disease can come down and listen to doctors do their their presentations and stuff and see where the direction in which research is going. So that to me is kind of fascinating. Hmm. That's why I love doing these questions. We get to learn a little bit more uh, about folks that we get to visit with. What profession would you not like to do? That's a great question. Probably CEO of Right Sleeve? No, that would be too much fun. I'm hiring. Oh, <laughs> that would be too much fun. Um, I need a boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. Having said, I was curious by nature. There aren't too many jobs that I wouldn't like to try. And I, I across my my. 60 years, I've, I've done quite a few things that, are, that have been interesting. This will be a good question for you because I, because I know you're, you're up to speed on a lot of things. Favorite app or software or digital tool at the moment? All things Apple. Hmm. Although I have to say the iPhone 5 was a little bit of a letdown, but... Yeah. I think waited in line that for was it. only because Mark Graham sent me at 3.30 in the morning sitting on Scottsdale Road. Mark Graham sent me a, a, an advertising for uh, Brand X. That's, that was very nice of him. Did, did it, did it, was, there a, uh, was there a three-page email accompanying that? No, no. It was very brief. Oh, no way. Yes. It was just a couple of words, and then I clicked on it. I just started laughing. You know, it he, must have he been just, written by an imposter. He just upgraded. Actually, he he was he had a trio. He was carrying the he was the last of the trio. Actually, you know what? I think he carries some kind of rim product, but we probably can't go there. <laughs> Palm Pilot, actually. Palm Pilot. <laughs> okay. I have some PDAs sitting around here too. It's kind of funny. Every yeah. Time I come across, I'm like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> well, Bruce, this has been good fun, man. Glad to have you on the program. And for folks um, that. Check out his his app. If you haven't seen his app, go look at Embroidery Unlimited. Just Google Embroidery Unlimited. I'll link to it in show notes. Um, you'll be able to see that on the web. Uh, Embroidery Unlimited iTunes. You'll find it. Um, download it. Check it out. It's a lot of. It's a really a nice, useful, clean tool. Uh, Bruce, any final words? Um, no, I appreciate the uh, the. Uh push, if you will, on the, the mobile app. You don't have to be a customer. It's a free mobile app. You don't have to be one of my customers. I think it's a great tool to use. Um, show up at the awards ceremony because you never know what might happen. <laughs> and um, I really Apparently. do want to thank you guys for inviting me on. This is 
humbling experience. Yeah, glad to have you. Glad to, glad to know you, Bruce. And we'll be chatting some more uh, in the near future. And as I've mentioned before, um, Bruce is the one who's told me that we need to get out of the habit of calling this an industry and start calling it a profession. And I agree 100%. That's what Promo Kitchen is all about. Um, if you have any comments, we would love to hear them. We'd love to get your comments uh, on, the, on the podcast. Wherever you listen, please let us know what you think. And uh, let us know some topic ideas, too. We'd love to consider that as well. Well, gentlemen, this has been fun. Thank you. Gentlemen, see ya. All right, Mark. You guys take care and have a a great day. Be well, guys. Okay, take care.